0: Well, you could say that that Christianity is a lot about following rules and obeying teachings and commandments and not be totally wrong. If you think about it, there are a lot of uh, teachings and commands that are a part of the Christian faith. That conclusion isn't totally off base. Uh, It just misses a lot. And you could also say, on the other hand, that Christianity is a lot about grace and, and freedom and not be totally wrong either. I mean, Jesus died, right? So they wouldn't have to worry about obeying all of those laws and uh, rules anymore. We're free from all that. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And that conclusion isn't totally off either, is it? I mean, we, we are saved by grace. But again, it's, it's missing a lot. The truth is, followers of Jesus for a long time have pondered their relationship to the law. And the commands in scripture. And then the early church wrestled with it. The apostle Paul wrote about it in his letters. Martin Luther of the Reformation. Omitted the book of James from the canon. Because he thought the book of James was too much rules. And not enough grace. And then there's Jesus. Who. And we'll hear, hear this in a second. Stated matter of factly. That he came not to abolish the law. But to. Fulfill it. We're in the midst of our, our New Year Same Promises Sermon Series. Is there is there a promise in that statement? Is there a promise there? I think yes. Yes, and it is this. God does not leave us without direction and guidance. God does not leave us without direction and guidance. What if the commands... What if the commands and teaching of teachings of scripture are not to paralyze us, but are God's promise to give us a life-giving path forward to be God's people? Not to paralyze us, but to give us a life-giving path forward to live as God's people. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We, we pray that it would take root there, grow us and transform us so that we might be our fruit for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the fifth chapter, beginning with the 13th verse and going through verse 20. I invite you to listen for God's word. You can follow along on the, on the screen as well. Jesus is continuing his teaching. He picks up right after the Beatitudes of, of last week that we talked about. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. I say to you very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor even the smallest stroke of a pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes a reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commands and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, last week we, we read about Jesus standing on a hillside beginning to teach uh, there, the crowds who were there, and he begins his teaching with the Beatitudes, this, this wonderful subversive promise about who actually is blessed in the kingdom of God that Jesus himself was ushering in. And it sounded and still sounds kind of upside down and revolutionary. Jesus is really showing a new way to be and to, and to live. And yet Jesus is clear from from today's scripture passage, it's clear that Jesus wanted to show that this path, this new path was actually deeply connected to Israel and God's intentions from the beginning. You are the salt of the earth, he says, you are the light of the world. Those are our statements about who God's people are called to be and what we are called to do. Now we'll wind back for a second to the Old Testament, to the Hebrew Scriptures. When God called a man named Abraham and made this beautiful, amazing promise to him and his family that through them, through Abraham and his family, all the nations, all the world would be blessed. God's special family was to be the way that God blessed the whole world. In other words, God called Israel... God's family to be the salt of the earth, to bring out the God flavors of the world, to preserve the, the the earth, to keep things from going bad. In the same way, God called Israel, God's people, God's family, to be a light to the nations. Isaiah forty nine two, I will appoint you to be a light to the nations, so that my salvation will reach the ends of the earth. Again, Israel, God's family, was to be the people through which God would shine God's light on the darkest corners of the world. Now that kind of special call, that kind of special vocation, would mean that Israel would have to be unique, right? Distinct. Able to witness in a beautiful and different and holy way. They would have to be different from other nations and people. How would God form them and direct them in this way? The law. That's why God gave Israel the law. It wasn't an attempt for God's people to earn salvation. It was God's way of trying to form Israel into the kind of people. The kind of family that could be salt and light to the world. Be able to bless the world. That would help them be distinct in the way that they live. That would show everyone that, that they would be able to show everyone through their heartfelt Keeping of the law that God was worthy of of honor and praise and glory and worship. Now the problem, of course, was that Israel wasn't salt and light. Israel was behaving pretty much like everybody else. The salt had lost its distinctive taste. The people supposed to be bearing the light became a part of the darkness Themselves. And then to make matters worse, the supposed experts in the law became so consumed with every minute detail of the law and preserving their own power and policing it that they forgot the heart intent of it in the first place and what it was supposed to be doing. Fast forward now back to Jesus. Here comes God in the flesh, the Jewish man coming out of this family of Israel. Once again, calling God's people to be salt and light. Here comes Jesus saying that God's kingdom has come. I'm bringing it in. And as citizens of this new kind of kingdom, once again, we're called to live in a way that points to God's glory and God's ways. And Jesus himself embodied in his life everything that Israel was supposed to be and do. And yes, through his death and and resurrection, Jesus rescued us from sin, saved us by by grace. But but then what? We're saved by grace, but 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 then what? A people called to be salt and light would have to be different, live differently than than other people. How would God form them and and how would God form us and direct them and us in this different way? Which is exactly why Jesus, after he's just told the crowds that they are to be salt and light, says, I have not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus wasn't intending to abandon the law and the prophets. He was saying that they were all coming true in him. He was making the connection between who we as God's people saved by grace are supposed to be and do and how God intends to direct that path, shape our life together so that we can be in do that. We are saved by grace and we are a part of God's forever family through grace and not through rule keeping. But how do we now live in response? The good thing is God doesn't leave us without direction. God doesn't leave us without direction. We're not left to figure it out on our own. We don't, we don't just ignore, forget about the mandates or teachings in Scripture. When Jesus says that he came not to abolish the law but to fulfill it, he's promising us a path forward. He's reminding us that God still intends to form us into the kind of people who can bless the world, people who can be salt and light. We have the, the law of the Hebrew scriptures we have it as it was fulfilled in the life and teaching of jesus we we have jesus's own commands we have the convicting words of the prophets it's all calling us back to the to the ways of god and friends they're not meant to paralyze us they're not meant to make us paranoid about pleasing god not god's way of having a list and checking it twice to find out who's naughty or nice these commands, these these scriptural teachings are like a map helping us to stay on course. And we need maps, don't we? I was reminded of that just this week at Disney. Some of you know that we, we went there to Magic Kingdom for two days this, this past week, and it was a blast. It was, it was a great time. And I suppose if you were an expert in all things Magic Kingdom, I suppose. You had been many, many, many times to the Magic Kingdom and looked at a map many, many, many times, and you might have everything etched in your brain and not need a map anymore. But I think most people, I think most people really appreciate the guidance and the direction that a map offers, especially at a place like Disney, whether it's their new fancy app or uh, the paper version. You know, you get out of the, the kiosk. It's freeing, not paralyzing to know the best way to get from Tomorrowland to Frontierland, right? It's freeing, not paralyzing to know where the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train was and what time the fast pass was for, especially when you've got 15 people in your group and six of them are under the age of five. <laughs> like, I needed that guidance and direction and those markers. I mean, imagine for a second how you would feel, what you would do if you were plopped in the middle of Disney World for the very first time Uh, with with kind of no map no guidance no no help of any kind and we're told okay see you later have fun no map no guide no sense of what to do where to go what time what transportation I mean would you be happy would you be free or would you be perhaps overwhelmed stuck unsure paralyzed Our Disney experience was enhanced and not encumbered by the directions and guidance of a map. You know, in the same way, I realized, like, I I need a map in my life. I need a map in my life of faith. Not to save me, but to give me direction. Like, I, I need markers reminding me to love my enemies. I need markers showing me to forgive to love my neighbor, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God, to, to watch my tongue, to not hate in my heart, to keep Sabbath, to welcome the stranger, to make disciples, and on and on. Yes, of course I'm saved. We're saved through grace and not through following rules. But it's freeing, not paralyzing, to know that how I, how we are called to live in response to Jesus' gift. Of grace. It's freeing, not paralyzing, to know how we are called and the best way to, to walk with Jesus. The commands of Scripture aren't meant to save us nor to compromise our freedom. They aren't designed to make us miserable. They are God's promise to give us direction and guidance and to shape us and form us into the people who are our salt and light, to make sure that we're actually salty that we're actually bright enough to be seen. And we should be grateful, friends, for that map. We should be grateful for that map. We should be profoundly thankful that God tells us, God shows us the best way to live and doesn't just plop us down in the middle of life and say, okay, do whatever. But we can see this tension between the law, the, the teaching, the commands of Scripture as paralyzing or the... The law is shaping a kind of people in their interaction that Jesus has with the Pharisees, the supposed legal experts. You remember that time when Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath? Oh, boy. And the Pharisees flip out, and they come at Jesus with the law, ready to to use it as ammo. Jesus, your law says you're not supposed to work on Sundays. You just healed that man. You're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath, and we're trying to follow the law, and, and you're breaking it. And they were so concerned with, with, with breaking this single law that they failed to become the kind of people that God actually wants them to, to be with the law of, of love written on their hearts. But remember, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. And the Sabbath was there in the first place, by the way, to, to mark God's delighting in God's creation and also to mark God's. Delivering God's people from bondage in Egypt. So Jesus healing on the Sabbath was actually honoring the Sabbath in a much deeper way. And God wants the kind of people that would heal someone on the Sabbath. More than people who are checking off rules like like it's a list. That's why Jesus says your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. The first kind of people are salt and light, the second, not so much. If we are so consumed with every dot and tittle of the commands of Scripture that we become paranoid about keeping them, if we, if we think we have to do something in order for, for God to love us or to protect God, if we think that if we don't do something, we're on the naughty list, then yes, the law, the teachings are incredibly paralyzing. But if we see them as God's promise to direct us, to guide us, and form us in our living response to grace, well, then, if, if we see them as shaping the character of the church, if we see them as showing us how to live in the kingdom of God, then we might actually find incredible joy. And and peace and freedom and purpose in leaning into them. the psalmist says, happy are those who delight in the law of the Lord. Happy, not miserable. Happy are those who delight in the law of the Lord. C.S. Lewis said, and I've hung on to this quote a lot in thinking, in my own journey and thinking about, Um, The context of following Jesus and rules and commandments and what does it all mean? C.S. Lewis said, we might think God simply wanted obedience to a set of rules, whereas God really wants people of a particular sort. We might think God wanted simply obedience to a set of rules, whereas God really wants people of a particular sort. Just think about that for a second. People of a particular sort. God wants people of a particular sort, salt and light. Jesus does free us from the burden uh, of the law and all its demands, but the, the rules and ethics of Scripture, what we might think of as the law, actually do guide us and help us become certain kinds of people and a certain kind of people collectively, and that's ultimately what God is interested in. That's why Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law. And then proceeds to offer us all kinds of, of teachings and commands that show us how to live. And that's why we need to seek to lean into, to live into, and, and to obey the mandates, the teachings from Scripture, even the Old Testament, especially the ones echoed in the life and ministry of Jesus, because they help to shape us into a particular and a peculiar kind of Of people. People who are salt and light. They are God's promise of direction. And guidance. Helping the salt stay salty. And the light stay lighty. Bright. (laughs) So friends. A a religion of commands. And laws versus grace and freedom. Kind of sets up a false tug of war. We are saved by grace. Grace. Thanks be to God. Yes, but then what? What's next? How do we live in response? Fortunately, there's a promise. Jesus says, I have not come to abolish or do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So God does not leave us without guidance and direction. We are not left to sort it out on our own, to figure out how to live. God gives us a path forward, and that path forward, Is the law, especially lived in the life and ministry of Jesus. It's the words of the prophets. It's the teachings and commands of Jesus. And it's not to grip us, but to guide us. It's to ensure that we are and continue to be salt and light. Bringing out the God flavors, the God colors of the world. And that sounds like a path worth traveling.